Welcome to the Faith Lakeside Podcast. Each week you'll hear another great message that will help you know God and make Him known in your life. Join us each Sunday at 1045 a.m. and throughout the week in small groups to make the most of your learning experiences. Now, sit back, relax with a great cup of coffee and a notebook and enjoy this week's message. And why are we doing all of this stuff? Well, we do it. We participate in these things. We fellowship together because our desire is to know God and make him known. And we understand that knowing God comes through fellowship with other believers and studying his word. And making him known comes through doing things like sharing cookies and Advent things and singing songs and going out into our community and doing good works. And so we want to do all of these things together. And we've been looking at how to be a Christian. And today is our last sermon in this series. If you're in the Sunday school that's going through, you've got next Sunday, you'll talk about this final topic. Next week, we'll begin the first Sunday of Advent season, Christmas season. And so sermon will be a little different. So today, we're wrapping this up. And we've answered this question, what is a Christian? They are a disciple who has submitted their entire life to Jesus, who is constantly constantly learning under his tutelage, who has declared him to be the Lord of their life and submitted him to be king over all of their decisions and life, is pursuing a life of purity and separating themselves from sin. Uh, the, the, a Christian should have regular time in God's word and is developing in their prayer life, making prayer a, a regular everyday occurrence. A Christian should be demonstrating a desire to learn and apply the word of God as the, the primary and really most critical source of of truth and authority in their life. Christians should be wanting to share their faith, evangelizing, telling their own story of salvation clearly, and getting better at sharing the gospel the longer you uh, walk with Christ. Some of us, we've been walking with Jesus for a long time, and we are no more comfortable sharing the gospel today than we would have been the first day we were saved. And a, a Christian should be working to be getting better at sharing the good news of the gospel. A Christian attends church regularly. And why do we come to church? To worship God, to have our spiritual needs met, and to give ourselves to others. Because we're called to fellowship regularly, to to show love and, and unity together, to genuinely care for one another as we serve each other in practical ways. And so we're supposed to be not only serving physically, but also willing to give, give of our resources, give of our time and our talents in order to honor God and uh, with our finances and that important part of our life. And then finally today, we're going to talk about how do we know that this is really where we're at? How do we know we're a Christian? Well, of course, uh, we, we can say, first, you must come to that place where you understand that you were created by a loving and gracious God, but along with all of the rest of mankind, you have rebelled against him. You have earned for yourself his wrath and eternal death. But God loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus, who lived a perfect, sinless life and served as the sacrifice for your sin. He paid the price for your sin, absorbing the wrath of God that is rightly yours, absorbing the the death that is rightly yours, 
on that cross. And then he was buried and rose again on the third day to show that he is who he says he is and can do what he says he can do. And he tells us that everyone who believes on him as Lord and Savior will be saved. Our sins will be forgiven. The wrath of God will be removed from us and will be given a new life. And so it's ours today to choose, will we follow after Jesus or will we continue in our old ways of sinfulness and rebellion against God? And so that, of course, is the first way to know that you're a Christian is that you have believed on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But then we look at all of these other things that the Christian life entails, and we do not do them in order to earn salvation, but we do them because we are saved. We are in a relationship with God through Christ Jesus. And he says, this is what a relationship with me looks like. All of these different aspects, the giving, the learning, the purity, the fellowship, the belonging, they are all aspects of our relationship with God through Christ Jesus. So how do we know if we are genuinely walking with God, if we're just going through the motions? How do we know if we really are a Christian or if we're faking it, and maybe even faking it really well. And here's kind of the last thing of the, 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 the series is this judgment, this, this measuring, this weighing of our faith. And, and here's what we're going to look at. A Christian demonstrates the fruit of the Spirit by an attractive relationship with Christ and his fellow man. So we have this standard by which we can know if we are in a relationship with Jesus, by which we can know if we genuinely love one another. And it is that we will begin to manifest, to show, to produce the fruit of the Spirit. If you have your Bible, I encourage you to open it up to Luke chapter 6, verses 43 through 45. So the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke chapter 6. Sorry, guys, who were on the retreat. This is a little bit of review for a first few moments. The rest of you, it's brand new. Uh, and so it's easy that I can review because there are only five of us who made the retreat after COVID and sickness and schedules. So it's new to pretty much everybody. Uh, so Luke chapter 6, verses 43 through 45. Luke chapter 6 is Jesus teaching in what's called the Sermon on the Plain. And it's similar to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapters 5 through 7, uh, except that it's on the plain. Uh, and it, it literally tells us in Scripture that the Sermon on the Mount, he preached it when he was on a hillside. And the Sermon on the Plain, he preached it when he was in a flat area. And so that's why they have those distinct names. But what we'll find is this sermon is very similar to the Sermon on the Mount, which should not be surprising because Jesus, in his three and a half or so years of ministry, had one singular message, and that was repent and believe for the kingdom of God is at hand. That was his primary overarching message. All of his years of ministry with the disciples following him and him teaching in various venues. And then both the Sermon on the Mount and the Sermon on the Plain give an explanation for the kingdom of God and what it looks like. And so here in Luke chapter 6, verses 43 through 45, Jesus has already taught most of what it is to be part of the kingdom of God. And he then begins to say, here is the metric by which you will understand if you are part or if someone else is part of the kingdom of God, or if you're outside of it. So Luke chapter 6, verses 43 
through 45. A good tree doesn't produce bad fruit. On the other hand, a bad tree doesn't produce good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. Figs aren't gathered from thorn bushes or grapes picked from a bramble bush. A good person produces good out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart. For his mouth speaks from the overflow of his heart. So you might read this with me and go, wait, wait, how, how is this a means of measuring faith? How is this a means of measuring one's dedication and genuine salvation and belonging to the kingdom of God? Jesus is talking about fruit and he's talking about things being vomited up. How is this a measurement of who I am and what my faith is? Well, let's look at it a little more closely. Here's what Jesus says once again in verses 43 and 44. He begins by talking about fruit. And he says this, a good tree doesn't produce bad fruit. On the other hand, a bad tree doesn't produce good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. Figs aren't gathered from thorn bushes or grapes picked from a bramble bush. Now Jesus is trying to help those who are there with him this day understand the nature of being part of the kingdom. And he uses fruit trees as a way of teaching a truth that is more than about just fruit. And why does he do that? Well, this is what we, would, we call an agrarian society, a society that is focused on raising up grain and tending fruit and vines and, and raising sheep. It is a farming society. And so Jesus uses farming type examples to help teach spiritual truths so that the people he's teaching can understand. So for us, we have to kind of think, all right, we're a tech society, so we don't quite get this, but let's try and put ourselves in this mindset. And everybody that would have heard Jesus teaching this day would have agreed with him completely. They would have been like, oh yeah, I know that. Back in Indiana, where Shelly and I lived ages and ages and ages ago, where uh, our boys were still little and Anna was born. That We had two apple trees in our backyard and I didn't know what to do with them. They had been there clearly for ages and they were gnarly and they, they were stubby. The boys loved to climb them and break branches off of them because they were boys. and Well, they still are boys. And, and so they, they loved this. this and, and it produced apples every year. There were actually two of them produced apples every year. And the apples... All they did is they ripened, they fell, and then they attracted all of the wasps. And, and that's all the apples did. But the, these trees, they were gnarly, they were beat up, and all they would produce is nasty, rotten fruit that was inedible. We could never do anything with it. They were not crab apple trees, mind you. They were genuine apple trees. But they had been uncared for for so long, and I didn't know what to do with them. And these bad trees, all they would produce was inedible fruit. It didn't matter. We, we tried, you know, cooking it. We, we, tried, we tried different things. It just, it's not, it was never good fruit off of those trees. Those two trees, as much as we wanted them to be good, were not. Two bad trees produced bad fruit. And then, and then we've also lived in Wisconsin. 
And, and I still say the name of the state with a little bit of the accent, you might, Wisconsin. It's still in there. We only lived there for a year, but uh, I, I enjoyed getting a bag at the store and going down to the bay and feeling the breeze uh, and, and up there in Wisconsin. And uh, so uh, we, we only lived there for a year, but, but where we lived was surrounded by cherry orchards and apple orchards. And, and these people for generations had tended these orchards and these lands and had practices of keeping the trees healthy and strong and good. And you could walk into those orchards when it was time for the fruit to be ripe and you'd pick your own apples and you, you got to eat as much as you wanted off the tree and then fill up your bag and you only paid for what was in the bag. I mean, to be fair, they could have weighed you on the way in and the way out to, to measure how many apples you ate. But, but man, it was so delicious. And especially there was these honey crisp apples. And you just, you, you could get sick eating them right off the tree because they were so amazing. I got to tell you, the apples in the store that we buy are nothing compared to apples fresh off the tree. Usually the apples in the store are about a year old, honestly, from last year's harvest. So all that to say, well-tended trees, good trees, they produced amazing fruit. And so when we read this, we might get a little confused, but Jesus is saying something that is a truth of life, and it is absolute. Good trees produce good fruit, and bad trees produce bad fruit. And not only that, you would never walk up to an apple tree and expect to find a peach, would you? The tree is covered in apples. You don't walk up to it and go, well, where are the peaches? You know an apple tree produces apples. You don't go to grapevines and look for figs because grapevines produce... Ah, oh, you guys are brilliant. See, you're getting it. You understand Jesus. And he is helping us to understand the nature of a tree... And the character of a tree determine what it produces. And so every tree produces fruit consistent with two things about that tree. The quality of the tree. And how did Jesus describe the quality of the tree? Well, either good or bad. And then he also will produce, every tree produces fruit consistent with its kind. And so we would not expect an apple tree to produce peaches. We would not expect grapevines to produce watermelon, right? We, we get it that the fruit that you're looking for comes from a tree that is both good in nature and quality and of a specific kind. And so you look for the kind of fruit you want from the quality of tree that will produce the fruit you're looking for. And then Jesus brings it to us and the others who are listening. A good person produces good out of the good stored up in his heart. You see how Jesus makes the shift? He's talking about something we all understand. Good, well-cared-for trees produce good fruit. Trees of a specific type produce the fruit you expect. But a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good person they produce good things out of the good stored up in their heart. An evil produ person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart. For his mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. 
So Jesus is helping us to understand. He moves from trees to us. And he says, every person produces fruit that is consistent with their character, good or bad, and with their kind, evil or righteous, saved or unsaved. And so he, he begins to tell us, if you want to know if someone is in the kingdom of God, look at the fruit of their life. Look at what comes out of them. He's giving us this both for the sake of looking at others. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus specifically applies this to false teachers and false prophets. And he says to, to watch out for false teachers and you'll know who they are by their fruit. You'll know who they are by what comes out of their life. I was about to hit the floor and pull out, pull out my, I, it almost got messy in here. I know, if you didn't hear it, it's okay. There was a pop. It was kind of like Reagan and the balloon. I just, I had that moment, right? Um, yeah, yeah. <sighs> Interesting thing about all of this. How, how do the, the good that's in a person or the, or the good that comes out of a person, how does it get in them in the first place? Jesus says they store it up. The evil that's in a person, Jesus says that they have stored it up. Here's something you need to understand about the fruit of our lives. We have control over our character and kind based upon our choices. Now, this does not mean that we are not dependent upon God. That is not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that the choices we make in our life determine whether we are good or bad trees who produce good or bad fruit and according to righteous or unrighteous kind. I'm telling you, after all of this that we've talked about, this boils down to your choices matter and they determine the fruit of your life. And so it's critical that we look first at what we're putting into our lives, what we're putting into our hearts. And first and foremost, no one can produce good fruit or be a good tree if you have rejected Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, period. By nature, the fruit that we produce is bad. We come out of our mother's wombs producing garbage apples. And only by salvation can the nature of the tree be changed and the character of our fruit, the quality of our fruit be changed. And then secondly, our sanctification or our holiness, the daily choices we make with our lives determine the fruit that comes out of us. And so we have to be aware of this. And so Jesus sets the stage here, and I forgot to put up my fruit sign. There you go. There's, if you were wondering what we're talking about today, fruit. Of course, this is two fruits. We're going to talk about one fruit. Galatians chapter 5. If you have your Bibles or you're in your Bible app, flip over to that. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 25. Galatians. Now, Galatians comes a little bit later in church history, and it's written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Galatia under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And Paul is trying to help this church understand a little bit more detail about what Jesus had been teaching. 
Jesus gives us, gives us this clear standard. You are either a good tree that produces good fruit or you are a bad tree that produces bad fruit. And the way you change what kind of tree you are is to change what you put into your heart and to change the practices of your daily life. And so the Apostle Paul is trying to give a little bit more detail to help this church understand the application of that. Well, what, is, what does it mean? How do I know if fruit is good or bad? In the flesh, in, in, in the grocery store, we can look at fruit and we know if it's good or bad, don't we? You're not going to grab an apple that's covered in brown spots and is squishy and maybe has something crawling out of it. You don't look at that and go, mmm, that'll make a great pie. No, you, you, you discard it. You get rid of it. You ignore it. And, and Paul is trying to expand on the words of Jesus and give us descriptors that help us to understand what good fruit or bad fruit looks like. So Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 25, I say then, walk by the Spirit. That word there, walk, in the original language is literally keep on walking like forever and ever by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I am warning you about these things, as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So the Apostle Paul is expanding on this idea of good fruit and bad fruit, good trees and bad trees. And he's trying to help this church in the city of Galatia, the area of Galatia, understand what it is, good fruit and bad fruit, what, what, what they look like, how to determine, how to be a good fruit inspector. And he says this, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit. The Spirit desires what is against the flesh. And what do we know about these two things, the flesh and the Spirit? They are opposed to each other so that you do not do what you want. If you find in your life that you are confused, that you are struggling, it is because you are caught between the flesh and the Spirit. You are struggling between the flesh and the spirit. And Paul is telling us you are essentially stuck between being a bad tree producing bad fruit and a good tree producing good fruit. And it's time you make a choice. It's time you understand you need to make a choice about what you put into yourself and what you submit to because that will determine what comes out of you. And these two opposites, this good tree, bad tree, flesh and spirit, when he talks about flesh, he means everything that has to do with the things of this world and the evil that surrounds us. And when he talks about spirit, he's talking about being under the power and influence of the Holy Spirit. 
and they are opposed to one another. And so in the Christian life, we see that we must choose our fruit by choosing our character and our kind, choosing who we belong to, what is most important to us. And we see this divided out into two ideas, bad tree, good tree. The flesh is the bad tree. And what is it that we're consumed with and putting into our life when we are following the flesh? It is our own desires. And our desires, uh, James tells us, they carry us away and, and they lead to sin and sin always leads to death. Bad fruit, the end result of bad fruit is always rottenness and death. And so we can be putting into ourselves desires and living for desires and living according to the flesh, or we can be living according to the Spirit. And what is living according to the Spirit? It is following after the Word of God and being led by the Holy Spirit and living a life where our priority is an intimacy with God by obedience and loving His people. And we become good trees that will produce good fruit. Now, how do we know which we are? Which of these two are you? Are you a tree that is consumed by and defined by the flesh and your own desires? Or are you living in the spirit, a good tree, led by God, living and seeking intimacy with God? Well, Paul says, here's how you can know. Let me show you how to measure and judge your fruit. He says, now, the works of the flesh are obvious. Or, if you will, we'll take a little bit of liberty and say, the, the fruit of the bad tree that comes from pursuing the desires of the flesh are obvious. And here's the list. Sexual immorality. Moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. So we read this list and we say, we're looking at ourselves and those around us and we're saying, what kind of tree are we? And here is what bad fruit looks like. And Jesus says, bad fruit comes from where? Bad tree. And so, not that the person is irredeemable, but they, they are honestly not in Christ if this is the fruit of their life. Now, I wanted to focus on a few words. That's why I highlighted them. I don't have any special insight on any of these. There's not like some great, aha, oh my goodness, that is so spiritually meaningful moment in any of these. They are straightforward and we understand exactly what they are. Number one, sexual immorality. Sexual immorality is defined by scripture as anything outside of one man, one woman, one lifetime. That is the standard in the Old Testament and in the New for biblical sexuality, period. And Paul says, if sexual immorality is part of your life, and, and, and our memory verse, how does Jesus define it? To look at someone with lust in our heart. So we've got to be careful not to point too many fingers without being honest about ourselves. 
Moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry. Now, we all think about idolatry, and what might we think about? Well, we think about people in other countries, don't we? And we think about little statues that they might have. We think about the Chinese restaurant where we walk in and there's a Buddha and the waving cat, right? We think about that. And we think, oh, it's so sad. Why do they have a Buddha, right? And, and we think about those things and everybody else practices idolatry, don't they? But what about us? Because idolatry is the practice of putting anything in the place of God in our life and considering it of more value and worth regarding your time and your energy and your concern than you do your relationship with God. And so honestly, many of us are probably struggling with idolatry today, aren't we? There is something in our life that takes God's place. Hatreds. Hatreds. What is a hatred? Well, let's just boil it down. When you look at other people and you look down on them for who they are. If you are racist you are full of hatred. If you are classist, you look, oh, those poor people living in that trailer. And look, you, you know, you're, they're just, there's something wrong with them. You are living in hatred. Well, what about, what about this? Selfish ambition. Oh, no, no, I'm just trying to, to like achieve what's best for me and my family. Are you? Or are you seeking after your own glory? And trying to prove to others that you're really the best. And just in case you read this whole list and you go, oh, I'm good. I don't know anybody like that. <laughs> Paul says at the end, anything similar. Oh my goodness. That's like everything. Everything. Now, does this mean that a Christian will never have any struggles with any of these things? No. I don't want you to hear that. While, while it is that there will be at times some worm-ridden fruit on a good tree that normally produces good fruit, by nature, overall, it will produce good fruit. What we're talking about is when we look at our own lives or the lives of someone else, it is an overwhelming, this is what we produce. Not occasionally, not I hate it, not I want to be better, but rather, this is what comes out of my life and I'm cool with it. And if you read this list and you say to yourself, yeah, I'm like that. I'm cool with it. I would challenge you that there is a good chance you are not walking with Christ Jesus as your Savior. As we look at other people in our lives, not to judge them, but to honestly assess their genuine faith in Jesus Christ, whether it exists or does not, if this defines their life, if overwhelmingly they practice these things, and they're happy with it and comfortable with it, and they're saying, this is who I am, they are not walking with Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We are given these truths so that we can honestly understand, are we good trees or bad trees? Are we real believers in Christ or are we playing the Christian game? Now, if you feel like I'm being condemning or judgmental, understand I am not. What I'm doing is I'm trying to help you look at Scripture and use it as a tool to judge your fruit and the fruit of others in your life. If someone says they are a believer, but this is the fruit of their life, what do we know about them? They need the gospel. And they need you to live it out in front of them. 
If you look at yourself and this is all the fruit of your life and you're happy with it, you might not be saved. And you need to be less certain about your salvation than you were when you walked in this morning. Actually come back to Christ and try and understand, have you entered into a relationship with him? So we have this, this, this fruit. And, and so Paul tells us that, that things like this, sexual immorality, idolatry, hatred, strife, selfish ambition, dissensions, envy, and then of course the good old and anything else like this. This is the bad fruit that has come from a bad tree. And as we read these things, you need to understand this, this fruit is coming from a bad tree and all of this re- re- reflects broken and destructive relationships with others rooted in selfishness and a rebellious relationship with God. The fruit of the flesh, the works of the flesh will always hurt others, destroy the lives of others, and they're rooted in a rebellion against God. And if we're walking in rebellion, what do we know about ourselves? We're not in right relationship. We may not be saved. So the challenge for all of us is to look at the the, the fruit, the bad fruit, and say, is that me? Is that the people in my life? And not to look and go, so you're condemned and going to hell and forget you, but instead to say, oh my goodness, they need Jesus. They need the gospel. They may not be saved like I thought they were. And then we get to the good part, right? Well, not just yet. Because here's what Paul says. I am warning you about these things, as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. He doesn't say it'll be hard for them to, to, to inherit the kingdom of God. He doesn't say, well, they might actually be saved. You know, just, just hope that they are. But he says, if this defines your life, you are not saved and will not enter into the kingdom of God. That's what he says. It's what the Bible says. This isn't Michael's opinion. This isn't isn't your opinion. This is what God's word says to us. And you can do one of two things with it. You can either say, I don't believe God's word. Or you can receive it and begin to think differently about things. And this bad fruit and the bad trees that produce it. Now, some of us would be the smart aleck, and, well, I don't practice any of those things. I'm a professional. Even worse. Even worse. If these are the list, this, this list defines who we are, then we are not in Christ. Jesus, and this is actually from the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 7, says this, so you'll recognize them by their fruit. How do we know if someone is saved or not? By the fruit of their life. There's no two ways about it. What comes out of us is what's inside of us. And if what comes out is evil, what does that say about our hearts? They're evil. The joy of this is there is hope for all of us and any of us, even the most evil of people, to be redeemed at any time, at any moment, when they are willing to recognize their rebellion against God and submit to him as Lord and Savior and begin to walk with him in obedience. So an evil tree produces evil fruit, and it is the evidence of unbelief. But... 
The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such these things. In other words, that God's law supports all of these things and encourages these things. And if you live this way, you are walking in a way that is pleasing to God. The fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of a relationship with God through the Holy Spirit and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Does that mean you won't have a bad day as a Christian? By no means. But what it means is as we look at ourselves and other believers, the overwhelming majority of fruit that comes out of our lives can be defined by these descriptors. Now, some of us, and this is a pet peeve of mine, and so I have to address it just because I'm a peevish person sometimes. It says here in Scripture, the fruit of the Spirit is. Now, what does that mean? It means there's a single fruit. I like it to describe it this way. One fruit, many descriptors. Like an apple, if we were to begin to describe an apple, we would say things like an apple, it's roundish, red, white flesh, black seeds, don't eat too many of the seeds, they're full of cyanide, uh, comes on a tree, right? We, we describe an apple with many different descriptors, but it is a single fruit. And so what that means is, is as we look at this list, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, All of these should be present in the life of a believer in ever-increasing measure. As we become more Christ-like, we will become more loving and joyful and patient and peaceful and kind and good and faithful and gentle and full of self-control. But all of these things should be present in the life of a believer. This is not a checklist of things to work on over the next 60 years. This is instead a singular list of descriptors for a single fruit that should be present in the life of every believer all the time and in increasing measure as you mature in Christ. Why is that important? Well, because it helps us understand that we need to be allowing the Holy Spirit to be at work in us and submitting to him so that all of these things are present in our life. This single fruit with many descriptors. It reveals right relationships with others rooted in a right relationship with God. You you see, when we're in a right relationship with God, we are genuinely saved. It results in our character changing from the inside out and you begin to see yourself loving others being joyful in this life, at peace in yourself and with others, having patience with others. What's another word for patience? Anybody got a different translation in your Bible? Forbearance, long-suffering. Yes, long-suffering. Long-suffering. Let me, long-suffering. That in your relationships, you are willing to suffer long. And some of you are like, yes, it's been years I'm ready to be unsuffering. Nope. Fruit of the Spirit is long-suffering, kind, that graciousness, goodness of a genuine good quality towards others, faithful, keeping your promises, gentle, not harsh, and self-controlled, not falling prey to the desires of the flesh. You see, a right relationship with God results in a change in character that brings right relationships with others. 
Which is why I, I try and encourage and have tried to encourage you guys, belong to the church fully. This is the safest place to, to practice these things, to get better at these things, to allow the spirit to change you from the inside out because we should be nice to each other. Now, we aren't always all the time. And, and I, I know that even I have my rough edges and I'm sorry when they show themselves. But I want to be this more and I hope you do too because this is what it means to be in Christ for this fruit to be in your life. Inspect your fruit. Jesus himself says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit. So Jesus is saying, the more intimate you are with me, the closer you are to me, the more fruitful your life will be, the more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control become who you are. Because you can do nothing without me. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit. Not some, not a little bit, not you're a little bit better than you used to be, but that you grow in fruitfulness. And by growing in fruitfulness, what does Jesus say happens? We prove ourselves to be his disciples. What is the proof of a right relationship with God through Christ Jesus? What is the proof that you are a believer? The fruit of your life, what comes out of you, what defines you. Good fruit comes from a good tree, and it is an evidence of your salvation. Back to Galatians. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. When you crucify something, what happens to it? It dies. We are supposed to be dead to our old way of life. And with it, uh, crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, if we live by the Spirit, which that if, it's this weird conditional if, which implies we do live by the Spirit. How do we know we live by the Spirit? Because we would be dead on the inside and out without the Spirit of God within us. If we live by the Spirit, which we do if we believe on Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, let us also keep in step with the Spirit and allow Him to change us from the inside out. We are only alive because of the Spirit of God. But it's important that we understand the way we know we're alive is when we allow the Spirit to change us and produce His fruit in us. So some questions as we, we wrap up this morning. What kind of tree are you? I want you to think about yourself first and foremost which list defines you? The works of the flesh or the fruit of the Spirit? If you would honestly look at your life and say, the works of the flesh, that's what comes out of me on a daily basis, that's who I am, then it's time to reevaluate whether or not you are walking with Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If the fruit of the Spirit, it's, it's, it's who you are, it's, you see it coming out of yourself, long for it more. Submit harder. <laughs> Give up more of your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control might become an ever-increasing measure who you are. And you would produce how much fruit according to Jesus? Much fruit. Much fruit. I want to encourage each and every one of us every day to consider, consider repenting and living in Christ. 
If, if the, the works of the flesh define you today, repent and live in Christ. Even if you look at your life and say, the, the fruit of the Spirit, that's me, I'm, I'm growing. Repent on a daily basis of the things that distract you and keep you from your right relationship and live in Christ on a daily basis. What is the quality or the character of your fruit? Well, if, if, if you are a good tree and you see junk fruit, which Jesus says really doesn't happen very often, maybe consider changing what you're putting into your heart. I know I'm a Christian, but there's still garbage flowing out of me. Change what you're putting into your life. What you're watching, what you're listening to, those are important things in our culture. Who you spend time with, where you invest your life, change what you're putting into your heart. Because what you put into your heart, according to Jesus, will be what comes out. And if all you see is bad coming out of you, you are somehow, by your choices, putting bad into you. So change what you're putting in. To change the character or the quality of the fruit, change where you live. <laughs> now, that doesn't mean move. Though, what it does mean is where you live your life. And, and what we mean by that is, Jesus says, abide in me. And to abide means to live. In John 15, where, where we, he talked about fruit and he's the vine and the branches. He says, abide in me, live in me. Where are you living? If your whole answer is in this place, in this state, in this country, in this year, you're missing it. You're locked up in the flesh. But when you say, my whole life is in Christ Jesus, and you're working on a daily basis to make that a truth, you have changed where you live and you can change the quality and the character of the fruit that comes out of you. And so, as we wrap up, final thoughts today to reiterate. How do we know for Christians? How do we know if, 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 if this stuff is not just empty religion, but genuinely taking hold of us and, and changing us and, and it's who we are. It, it, it's by the fruit that comes out of our lives. Are you a Christian? How can you know? By what comes out of you on a daily basis. A Christian demonstrates the fruit of the Spirit by an attractive relationship with Christ, an intimate relationship with, with the Father through the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit, and fellow man that will result in a fruitfulness that changes how we live amongst ourselves as believers and toward those outside of the faith. Which, which list describes what's coming out of your life? Are you of the flesh or are you of the spirit? And are you willing to begin the process of allowing God to change the kind of tree that you are, that you might produce fruit that pleases him? We got to change where we live. We got to change what we're putting into our life. And more than anything else, we need to repent and believe on a daily basis. As we finish up our time together, invite the worship team to come up and just play a little bit for us. Invite the uh, ushers to come up and be prepared to receive the connection cards. So if you've got a prayer request or you've got a struggle, some place where you are just you know you're the wrong kind of tree with the wrong kind of fruit and you want the elders or the leadership to pray for you, would you fill out your prayer request? We're not going to like post it on the internet. Don't worry. 
but it's just for uh, the leadership to look at, to pray for you. If you need follow-up, you need help overcoming an addiction, or, or you've got a struggle where you go, the wrong kind of fruit is coming out of me, would you let us know how we can pray for you? by sharing a connection card here in the offering. Or you can turn it in the box afterwards. And if you have some offering or tithe that you'd like to give, you can put it in the box in the back later, or you can give it in the plate as it comes around. But it's just an opportunity for all of us to connect and to give as the Lord lays on our hearts. So uh, let's pray together, and then the ushers will come around and receive connection cards and offering as it's given. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your love for us, that you do not leave us wandering in the dark, wondering what life should be like, but instead you give us clear teachings. Lord Jesus, that you were, you were not subtle, you were not equivocating, but you were straightforward when you said things like, good trees produce good fruit and bad trees produce bad fruit. And that we know if someone is saved by the fruit of their life. Thank you for such clear teaching, Lord Jesus. Thank you for, uh, by your Spirit, giving the Apostle Paul words that tell us clearly those who live by the flesh and produce the fruit of the flesh are not part of the kingdom. But those who produce the fruit of the Spirit are saved and walking with God himself. Please help us to look at ourselves honestly in the spiritual mirror and to measure ourselves against these two lists. Not that we might face judgment or condemnation, but that we might honestly decide what kind of tree we are. We might honestly understand what kind of fruit we're producing so that we can come to a place of repenting and believing on you, Lord Jesus. For anyone who looks and says, I am full of nothing but bad fruit, I pray that they would understand your love, your sacrifice, and that salvation and good fruit are one choice away and a lifetime of joy and commitment with you. Bless this offering. Bless our decisions. Help us to be the kind of trees that produce the kind of fruit that glorify you, Father. In the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Ushers, would you receive any connection cards and offering as it's given?